0: Hello, listeners. Welcome to Explore FI Canada, where we sit at the round table with Canadians and share their thoughts, ideas, and personal journeys to financial independence. Thanks to Matt McKeever for sponsoring Explore FI Canada. Matt is a Canadian investor, CPA, entrepreneur, and real estate expert who achieved FIRE at age 31. Do us a favor and check out his YouTube channel by searching Matt McKeever. Or using the link in our show notes. Okay, here we go again on Explorify Canada. It's Money Mechanic with you. And of course, Chrissy is with me today. Good afternoon, Chrissy.
1: Hello, Money Mechanic. How are you doing on this sunny day?
0: I am loving the summer. Um, We are taking a break from the sun, which actually feels nice because I'm up in uh, the middle of the island and it is hot, 30 plus up here. Uh, So while we are inside for this brief moment of uh, the day here, we also have a guest with us today. Uh, Welcome to the show. It is Sandy Yong and she's the author of The Money Master. Welcome to the show, Sandy. Nice to have you here today.
2: Thank you for inviting me to be on your show. I'm very excited to share some of my insights with your audience today.
0: Well, it's always a pleasure. And you were kind enough to send us a copy of your book, which Christy and I both it was funny because we got it and we messaged each other like later that night after it showed up in the mail. And I'm like, have you read it yet? And she's like, yeah, I have. And I'm like, oh, me too. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, that's and- one of the things I like about this book. It's such an easy read. Like, it's not the slog that you have to get through, it's very approachable, very quick. Um, it's, it's really nice for people who are just getting started.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. And before we get deep into the book, and you can tell us all about that, why don't you start off and just let our listeners know a little bit about yourself, Sandy, and uh, what brought you to where you are today?
2: Sure, I'd love to. So, um... Of course, my name is Sandy Young, and I am the award-winning author of The Money Master Book. I am based here in Toronto, Canada. And for myself, I did go to business school here in Toronto. And when I graduated, which was about a decade ago in 2008, uh, 2009, this was during our economic recession, which is um, kind of bringing back... Uh, some memories as now that we go through the global pandemic and we're seeing some layoffs and uh, people being out of work and and um, some trying times. And so uh, for me, I started working within the hospitality and tourism industry as an event planner. I did that for a couple of years and really putting in uh, overtime hours and uh, making a modest salary. But um, I knew that I wanted to achieve life milestones, um, whether it was saving up for a car or my dream home and a wedding. And of course, going on vacation uh, every year to eventually retiring. So I wrote down the goals I wanted to achieve, set some target date and uh, figure out how much I needed to save up for each goal. And from there, I was like, okay, well, how do I fast track it? And that's where I knew that I had to open up an RSP and a TFSA. So I went to one of the big banks, like most people, and naively bought high-fee, high-risk mutual funds and ended up losing thousands of dollars. And that's that was really frustrating as an early 20-something-year-old, not really knowing what to do, but felt like I was doing the right steps. And that's where I really wanted to take matters and into my own hands and do my own research, make sure that I was educated and armed with the right information so that I was setting myself up for success and not relying on the financial institutions to kind of guide me. Um, And I wanted to make sure that I had the um, right building blocks to ensure that I had uh, a safe and sound investment portfolio that would stand the test of time. And uh, that's where I was able to generate a six-figure investment portfolio through the stock market by the age of 27 and even then it was like a personal goal but I didn't really tell anyone I was hard to talk about it with friends family uh, colleagues just because like around the office like people don't really share about how much they make or what their financial goals are Um, and you see all these Canadian stats out there um, where a lot of Canadians are struggling so um, but from there I was part of Toastmasters working on my public speaking skills. And then two years ago, my husband and I decided to write a book. And that's where I had my light bulb moment where I could combine my passion for professional speaking and have a platform to educate millennials on financial literacy and and teach them how they can create multiple streams of income and achieve financial stability.
0: I think you make a great point there because the first line on the back cover of your book says the topic of money makes people feel anxious and overwhelmed. And I think you just sort of hit that nail right on the head there is that discussion is not... It's nice to be part of this FI community now and and sharing this podcast so that we can have this discussion and share it with other people for sure. You went to FinCon uh, 2019, which I'm really jealous because I wanted to go Mm -hmm. this year, but that's not actually going to happen. But it sounds like you started your journey around a similar time for a lot of us. I think it was after that financial meltdown 2008, things like that. But you hadn't really started focusing on financial independence until you were exposed to the Playing With Fire movie at FinCon. And uh, you heard about it on some other podcasts. How did everything that you were working towards before that point, did you have a pivot? Or was it just something that you'd been building towards? And then you're like, oh, now I've got some uh, destination type thing to your investing.
2: Yeah, it's been quite interesting. I mean, all of the personal finance books that I read uh, about really talked about creating financial goals, like having a plan. Like I had, um, I was still to I still have an Excel sheet that I created um, in my early 20s that mapped out like every single year, how much I would save and then cumulative over decades until I, I would retire the classic age of 65 and I would keep track of it on a quarterly basis and for sure a yearly basis to monitor and adjust it and then yeah it wasn't until my husband Albert and I went to FinCon on uh, 2019 and when we saw the Playing With Fire uh, movie that's when it really opened up our eyes to this whole fire community um, that we didn't really know too much about uh, but we definitely aligned um, our values and our goals too. And it was really an interesting take to see like what people do um, in order to make those behavioral changes and lifestyle changes uh, and and to explore like what is the meaning of FIRE and you know financial independence and retiring early. And so that's where it really helped, I guess, bring this to the forefront of our, of our marriage and to sit down and reflect like what do we want a uh, from a decade from now or two decades, like what will our future look like? And even when we do reach FI, what do we want to continue to do after that? And so that's where it definitely inspired us to set a date of when we want to achieve financial independence and set even bigger and yeah, bigger goals for ourselves outside of our our full-time jobs.
1: So I'd like to dig in a little bit more about that journey into FI for you, because a lot of people who are in the general personal finance space, when they discover FIRE, they get turned off. They actually want to run in the other direction because there's a lot that they find confronting about it, and that's a little bit challenging. So, what is it about you and your husband that both of you um, took it and really ran with it once you discovered it? I think for us, like we've we found.
2: Uh, so far like a happy medium i think there are there's the extreme end of people making super big sacrifices and lifestyle changes in order to reach it really quickly but i think for us like we've been able to find a nice balance where we can still enjoy the day-to-day activities and not sacrifice too much and still enjoy yeah like our, our weekend dates and going out to eat a restaurant once a week or or take out, I guess more so during <laughs> these times. Yeah. But um yeah, I think for us it was just I guess for us we're very we're, we're very ambitious and we like t- to have goals in mind and to know that for us, like to have financial independence means that we are not fully relying on our full time jobs. Um, it, because nowadays, like And even if you do have a full-time job, like we're very fortunate, we're able to work from home and have full-time income and pursue all of our our other um, businesses, whether it's speaking and consulting, writing a book, we can still do that on a part-time basis, but hopefully it can grow. And then that way we're growing multiple streams of incomes and planting those seeds at the same time. So yeah, I think it's just for us is just setting a goal and just going after it and Um, just having that freedom to, again, like do whatever we want to do.
0: So common theme here, it keeps coming up and again and again, and this is important for our listeners to pick this up in each and every show that we do is multiple streams of income. We keep hearing this from just about everybody. And and I'm working on my own trying to increase multiple streams of income. And I think that's, we talk about the beginning of this journey and the beginning of investing about, keep it very simple, be in a, a low cost, broad, based, diversified ETF. But as you get further down the road towards into your journey of FI, once you build up some confidence and you've read some good books and things like that, you want to start working towards the multiple streams. And for you, you mentioned that you also, I I like your little, I like dividend stocks too. (laughs) it always catches me because I'm like, me too. (laughs) And uh, and you've also got some real estate assets going. So just briefly give us a little bit of a a big view of what your investment portfolio and those, apart from your book, obviously, because that's a huge uh, income stream, I hope. But uh, yeah, some of the other things that you've got and how did that journey look like from the beginning? Did you start simple just with ETFs and then get more complicated? Or what's that portfolio look like?
2: Mm -hmm. For me, one of my, I guess one of the, best resources that I would recommend and that I learned from was from the money sense magazine, how to create a, the guide on how to create a perfect portfolio. And this is like back in 2011.
0: Is that Dan Bortolotti that yeah. wrote that? Probably. Yeah, right. I read it.
1: yeah, It's an yeah. excellent guide. You can't buy it anymore. It's. Oh amazing. really? Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. And so I took
2: that and was able to take my mutual funds from a financial institution go with an online brokerage and have that confidence to create my own investment portfolio. And then from there, like every year I would, from my savings, invest into my RSP and TFSA. And then eventually I would reach those max capacities and had to open up um, a non-registered account and grow it from there. And then, so that's kind of like the first step that I took. I think that was the easiest for me just because when it comes to the stock market, the barriers of entry are pretty low. Um, I mean, you can start off maybe with a couple hundred or a thousand dollars and get your feet wet and then gradually go from there. And nowadays it's just so much easier. The technology, the accessibility, it's, I mean, almost anyone can have access to create their own portfolio. Now with robo advisors on the market, I mean, there's really <laughs> is no excuse to get started. Um, Then with real estate, it wasn't until I met my now husband, his parents taught him how to do real estate investing, specifically um, in owning condo units within uh, the greater Toronto area. And that's where I definitely had a hunger to learn more about it and become um, a landlord and to uh, be able to take care of our tenants. And especially when like growing up, I would play monopoly with my friends. So I definitely had that kind of taste <laughs> as a child to know like, Hey, like if you are a real estate owner, then you can definitely make a lot of profit. And I guess, well, quote unquote, passive income, even though there's definitely yeah. uh, Hands-on work <laughs> involved, I would say more so than the stock market. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there's definitely like huge potential in the real estate market, especially yeah. In, well, you know, in, in Vancouver and Toronto, they're like the hottest markets in Canada, and uh, there's uh, there's always opportunities to invest in real estate.
0: For sure, for sure. And I think, especially around your area, I've been looking in the uh, some of the secondary markets around Toronto that are sort of an hour outside, and there there's some really hot markets there too. And I think another, I mean, great story that, that you got involved in that with Albert, your husband there. And I just want to mention, because I see a lot of threads online where people think that you can't have a passive investment in real estate there are get into it and do some uh, research and learning about it because there's joint venture partnerships there's rent to owns there's other strategies out there that don't involve you cleaning toilets or fixing broken water pipes which is like the, <laughs> the, this classic everyone's like oh, I don't want to be a landlord so anyway I just want to throw that out there uh mm-hmm. Christy, should we dig into the book a little bit
1: yeah uh, that's a big part of your life right now uh, your book didn't come out very long ago was it just this summer that it came out
2: uh, it came out in um, November 2019, oh, November. and then I had my official yeah I had my official book launch party at the end of February in Toronto, wow. right before the whole lockdown happened. So I was really
1: <laughs> fortunate yeah. to have my book launch. Yeah. So you just squeaked in there with that. <laughs> so <laughs> I wanted to ask you more about what inspired you to write the book and who is the book written for. Yeah. So for myself, like
2: going through. And finding success with the stock market. And then, um, you know, starting out in real estate and reading dozens and dozens of personal finance and investing books, I felt like I had so much knowledge to share. But for years I struggled with like how can I share this with my peers and other millennials. And when when I was talking to my coworkers or my friends, I would hear stories about like how they would still be living paycheck to paycheck, or they hadn't paid off their student loans and, or they would have to support their parents, like the elderly. And these are real struggles that our Canadians are facing. And so when um, my husband Albert, back in January, 2018, his new year's resolution was to write a book. And I was like, Oh, that's great, honey. Like I'm fully supportive of you. Yeah, like go for it. And then I had no intention of writing a book. Like it was not on my radar, like was not one of my personal goals. But it wasn't until we uh, found out through social media um, about a book writing seminar. Um, It was in Toronto. And so my husband and I decided to go attend. And we had already had a bunch of friends, especially within our Toastmasters circle, who were Uh, professional speakers and also came out with a book and we knew that if we really wanted to build our speaking business that in order to be taken seriously that you have to have a book and like if you look at all the big names on stage like Tony Robbins, Rachel Hollis, they all have books um, because it builds your credibility and after the book writing seminar um I had my aha moment where I was like, wow, like by writing a book I, it will open up doors of opportunity. It will help with um, expanding our speaking business we can go consulting or coaching, uh, having workshops and this was really like my way to now give back to the community and help teach female millennials on how they can generate their six figures through investing. So that's where I really got started and we partnered up with our book publisher, Blackheart Books, and uh, took about a year and a half with a lot of perseverance and late nights, (laughs) many evenings and weekend sacrifice. But we were able to, uh, both my husband and I, we wrote individual books at the same time.
1: That's incredible. And what is your husband's book about, just quickly?
2: (laughs) Yeah, so his book is called Checkmate, How to Win the Sales Game in Healthcare. So his book focuses on teaching um, healthcare professionals professionals. to boost their
0: sales. Very cool. Interesting.
1: If you're like most of us, getting life insurance is something you know you should do, but you never seem to get around to it.
0: You're right, Chrissy. Now there's a better way to buy life insurance. It's called PolicyMe, and I think our listeners will love it. More than 37,000 Canadians have already used PolicyMe for their life insurance quotes.
1: Yeah, I've actually tried it myself, and in less than 10 minutes, I received a selection of quotes from reputable, established insurers. It's fast, free, easy to
0: use, and no pressure. Sounds great. I heard PolicyMe uses intelligent technology and personalized advice that recommends what you need, but not a penny more. You could save hundreds of dollars per year on your policy as top insurers compete for your business.
1: Protect your family. Get your personalized quote today at ExplorifyCanada.ca forward slash PolicyMe.
0: Now, you wrote this book, like I've read quite a few of the personal finance books in Canada. Some of them are written in sort of a narrative or like a story type form. But your book here is written more like a workbook. And one of the things that struck me about some of the chapters is that you cover a lot of topics, but you kind of do a nice high level at them. If people really wanted to dig deeper, they could. Was that your intention with this book to make it something that is more of a step-by-step for readers?
2: Yes, that's spot on. That's exactly what I wanted to do. Um, I just want to give people a variety and a taste of all the different topics out there in the personal finance realm and specifically like my three pillars, which focuses on Investing in stock market, investing in real estate, and also entrepreneurship. I thought those were kind of three really important topics that I wanted to share with uh, my audience and my readers, especially since I have experience in those three areas. And I wanted to make sure that it was practical and people will apply the knowledge that they learn because oftentimes people will read books, but then they don't do anything with the knowledge that they have. And so that's why I really try to drill down at the end of each chapter give them a checklist. So then they know what actual steps that they can take and start seeing results like immediately. So then that way they can build the confidence and get over their fears, um, get over past failures, mistakes that they've made. And that way they can gradually increase their confidence and keep growing their investment portfolio over time and see that they too can, they can do it.
0: Yeah, I think that's one of the things I found reading it is it's a book that I could probably easily refer to things in the future as I sort of got to another step or whatnot. I can I just flipped it open here. It's like, stay on track. You know, I've got a checklist here. Things like that, where some of the, not to put down any of the other personal finance books that are out there, but when they're written in a narrative, it's harder to jump back to a specific spot and just sort of revisit that information that's important as you get along this path and build your confidence. So I, thought, I think you did a great job on that.
1: Great. Thank you. I feel like it's a good book I can just hand to even a teenager and just say, read it, and you'll get a good idea of how to become a money master and how to get started. And it it gives a good overview of a wide range of topics, including uh, investing, basic personal finance, as well as real estate investing, which, which are all things that you dabble in, which is, I think, important for a new investor to know that there's not just one way to grow your wealth.
2: Yeah. And it's interesting you say that because uh, the feedback that I've received some from some of my readers that the parents do pass it on to their teenage kids because they want to have those conversations and uh, open dialogues with them. And um, this book has been able to open up and start those conversations and teach those foundational sound habits uh, for their teenagers and make sure that they are prepared when they, they become an adult.
0: Now. We've pumped you up and we've told you we like the book, but now I'm get to take a shot at you. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Sure.
0: (laughs) No, no, it's it's nothing, it's nothing, uh, nothing drastic at all. I just actually, I was just curious and I wanted to ask you. You included three interviews towards the back of the book, and. It was interesting because I'm just going to quote from the book here is, uh, what should investors consider before they invest in marijuana ETFs? And it was interesting because I know at the time you wrote that, that was a a big topic of discussion at the time. And hopefully people didn't put a ton of money into, what is it, HMMJ or whatever it is. Mm why did you choose to use these interviews in the book? They they kind of broke, for me when I was reading it, they broke away from the workbook style of flow that you had going, and I kind of didn't get a lot from them. So I just was curious to hear what your take on why you put them in there.
2: Yeah, so I did interview several industry experts, um, whether it was in the cannabis industry or um, real estate um, to uh, law. And I wanted to share different perspectives from industry experts on what their uh, take is um, based on what was kind of trending uh, recently and to give readers, I guess, yeah, kind of like a panel interview, um, say, and to um, highlight some of the other financial experts. I even have Ellen Roseman there and she's been been, uh, in the industry for decades now. So, yeah, just to kind of... um, share different perspectives and and shed some light on maybe other things that I may not have had um, expertise or experience in and um, just to hear
1: from other voices.
0: Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. That's kind of where I figured you'd be going with that. But uh, anyway, uh, Chrissy, moving on.
1: Yeah, so I'd like to talk to you about another area that you have a, a lot of expertise in. I see you as a multi-passionate entrepreneur. I don't know if you've heard of Marie Forleo, but she's big on this multi-passionate thing where uh, you you just have so many interests and there are things that you're really, really passionate about. And it's okay to have different passions and um, to explore all of them. And so you not only are an author, but you have a day job. You're also a keynote speaker and amongst other things. So Can you tell me more about that? Um, How did you get into this multi-passionate kind of entrepreneurial uh, journey that you're on? Yeah, that's a great question. Wow. I would say that I
2: probably got this when I was very young. Um, My father, um, my late father, he worked in the restaurant industry, but I remember him telling me stories about how he would partner with his Friend and one time they owned a um, fortune cookie factory to a soy sauce factory, uh, and I think by seeing like my father like working really hard in the restaurant industry, it really showed me like what the potential uh, could be um, by being an entrepreneur and. Yeah, I guess my dad was just very hardworking and helped to provide for our family. And I always had different business ideas. And I, I'd, even during school, when I was in elementary school, my friend and I would make these handmade bracelets. And then during recess, we would sell them maybe for like, I don't know, 25 cents or a dollar, who knows. <laughs> and I guess I kind of just had that, um, you know, that taste of what it's like being a business owner. And it was just really exciting. And I would just, Bounce off a different business ideas throughout, and then it wasn't until after a, a several years of working in the um, in the hospitality industry and um, just kind of being o- overworked and um, realizing that my full time salary at the time wasn't really reflecting what my true potential was or what it could be, and I knew that I was kind of well, yeah, I guess destined for more, and that. I had other passions outside of my full-time career. And even with my full-time career, I've gone from from conference planning to procurement and now product management. And so I see myself as a bit of a chameleon working my way through different industries and trying new things. And I think that as human beings, like we're, there's, always room for learning and growth and to try new things no matter how young or old we are and just to kind of explore like maybe some hidden passions that we never knew that we had and so and I'm really fortunate that I'm able to be in a position where I know, have full-time income, but then also can um, develop businesses um, on the side. And even for my husband, like we're able to support each other as well. So yeah, I encourage other people to do it too. And I, I definitely share that in my book to get people to reflect on what their talents are and explore what they can do, especially now during the pandemic when mm-hmm. we've seen massive layoffs and uh, people really struggling to find work. And so why not really think about like what your your passions are, and maybe your talents, you can turn into a profit.
1: Well, this ties back to what Money Mechanic was saying about multiple income streams, right? You you really have that down. (laughs) You have many many income streams, which is fantastic. And my next question then is um, about how this ties into your FI journey. Is this part of the plan that maybe your day job will end and then you'll be able to pursue these passions um, as your part time gig? And would it be a, a semi retirement for you or something? I don't know if you've heard of Coast FI, which is what money mechanic is currently (laughs) pursuing. Uh, What does that look like? How do all these things tie into your FI journey?
2: Yeah, I think for us, I mean, it wasn't until we went to FinCon last year that we really explored more into FI. I think for us, like, I think it's kind of always a changing or evolving plan. Uh, Right now, we are planning to reach our FI date of September, 2029. And for us, I think that creating multiple streams of income will definitely help us reach our five goals much faster, else we would have to be working for much longer. And I think that anything can happen. Like for, for the time being, like I'm still happy where, where I'm at with my full time career. And there's definitely a lot of growth and potential there. And then who knows, like for, for me, I'm also very passionate with when it comes to public speaking now more so in a virtual format. But, uh, I think that, yeah, for us, I, th- we definitely want to be able to travel more when the time is right and when it's safe, uh, to go more on, on annual vacations and just to kind of, um, yeah, focus more on spending time with friends and family, because we know at the end of the day, like if your relationships matter the most, um, and if you're working all these hours and you don't have those strong relationships with your friends and family, then what are you doing, <laughs> like doing all this for, right? So yeah, so that's like for us, we're, We have a dream board or a vision board that we look at and we're constantly modifying, whether it's our professional goals, financial goals, so many things, materialistic things, um, new skills we want to learn, legacies we want to leave, all those things like we put on our vision board that we look at every day and we have conversations about to see if we're on track and if it's still something that makes us fulfilled at the end of the day.
0: So it sounds like living a life of you know, purpose and options and intentionality, which is great to hear. That's sort of what we're all trying to achieve in this FI journey. I have a quick question going back to the book a little bit here. You, it sounds like you wrote this a little bit before you went to FinCon and had your, uh, let's call it the fire epiphany. Um, maybe I'll put you on the spot here. Is there going to be a second edition with a, a chapter interviewing <laughs> Chrissy about financial independence? Or is that, uh, would you? There's a lot of great insight and knowledge in here. Would you have tweaked it a little bit after you found the fire journey? Would you have added a chapter or something like that?
2: Mm. Yeah. So I did start writing the book in 2018. And uh, by the time we went to FinCon afterwards, I had already pretty much written my whole entire manuscript and was in editing. So there wasn't really too much wiggle room other than like putting in the acknowledgments of um, yeah. <laughs> of the fire community and it's funny because while i was on my writing journey and telling people that i was writing a book a lot of them were like oh hey sandy like why don't you do this for your second edition or or why i was i'm like okay i'm still working on my first one <laughs> <laughs> um, but now that i've come out with the first one yeah there's definitely i definitely have ideas of if i were to write um another edition to be able to expand on some of the the topics that i didn't get to go too much in detail and i think a chapter on um on fire would definitely be um one of the top contenders there and would fit quite naturally as um kind of extension of the the first book
0: yeah absolutely and i think there's there's so much the Good usable content in here already that this is valuable for people, regardless of whether they intend to itchy fire or financial independence. I mean, it's just, I just wanted to throw that in there because I've <laughs> actually seen a few books where they try and focus on it and it kind of gets away from the actual good nuts and bolts message of, of intelligent money management for people and becoming a money master. Now, one of the other things I came across in your bio here is that you are partnered with Cam H. Chrissy, you were going to ask about that. I don't know anything about this.
1: Yes, I was. Because I listened to some of your other interviews, and you did speak about this. And and mental illness is something that's near and dear to my heart, because I had postpartum depression with both my kids. And so I think it's important to talk about it when we can and shed light on it to take away the stigma of mental illness. So I know that $2 of every book sale goes towards CAMH, which is the Center for Addiction and Mental Health. Can you tell us more about your partnership with them and what is it that motivated you to start this partnership?
2: Yeah, so for myself, growing up in a household, my late mother was diagnosed with uh, several mental illnesses. And as a family, we struggled quite a bit trying to support her and to support each other and just seeing the struggles that she faced with on a daily basis. It was hard because although she really wanted to hold a full-time job, um, her mental illness took over and she became a homemaker to take care of um, my older sister and I. And yeah, and it's just, um, it was, it was sad to see that um, how much of uh, her mental illness affected her day-to-day um, activities, her behavior, and just to understand that the way that she might act was out of um, normal, but it was just something that we had to deal with. And especially within the Chinese community and probably other communities, can, cultures can relate, but it was tough to share this with relatives or our neighbors or uh, friends and family. And it's something that I felt like I had to keep secret because either I was afraid that people would judge me, um, people would think differently of me, or uh, like I felt ashamed. And there was a lot of um, guilt and shame surrounding that. And so I felt that with this book, not only did I want to break the barriers of talking about money but I also wanted to do the same thing for mental health and this was also in part where and now that I'm working for Bell Canada Bell also has their annual Bell that's Talk day and so that also kind of became a natural transition where I'd already started fundraising money for CAMH H several years ago um my own personal initiative and then now with this book i was like okay well why not also do an official partnership with camh and you know we had several coffee chats and we were able to form a partnership there and they were at our at my book launch and and now i'm able to help open up and share my story and hopefully that helps other people uh give gives them comfort in knowing that they're not the only one and that there are people out there who can help and give you support. And CAMH is a wonderful organization that they do a lot of research and they help support families who are, are in need.
1: Well, I think that's wonderful of you. It's, it's brave and uh, it's also very generous of you to be raising money for this worthy cause. And uh it's just another reason for our listeners to go out and buy your book it's <laughs> supporting a good cause and uh, we do also want to mention that you're very generous to give us a couple of copies to give away to our listeners for those who aren't going to buy the book immediately maybe they can try to win it first so <laughs> um, money mechanic how how can our listeners possibly win a copy for themselves?
0: You know I just had a thought. <laughs> What if we request our kind listeners to make a small donation to CAMH and send us a message, leave us a message on either the show notes or our Facebook page, say that you made a small donation to CAMH, which is going to be helpful for everybody, and you'll be entered in a draw and we'll do a random draw for two books. How's that?
1: Oh, I love that. Great idea. Yeah, it's great.
0: Yeah. Thanks again for sending us those books. Thanks again for the autographed copies that Chrissy and I have. This is an excellent addition to my my bookshelf of growing financial (laughs) literature that I've read. So uh, very much appreciated. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It was great talking with you today. Let our listeners know where they can find you.
2: Yes, your listeners can find me on my website, which is sandyyong.com. And that's spelled S-A-N-D-Y-Y-O-N-G dot com. You can find all the information about me. I'm also on social media, media, whether it's Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. You can find me at the Money Master book.
1: Perfect. Thank you very much, Sandy. And I should mention that the two giveaway copies are also signed by you. They are autographed as well. And uh, we would like our listeners to uh, comment and with their donations by September the 30th. And then we will announce the winners after that. So thank you very much, Sandy. We had a great chat with you today. Thank you, guys. This was a lot of fun. Thanks for listening. If you've been getting value from our content, please support us in the following ways. One, leave us a review and subscribe in your favorite podcast player. Two, tell your friends and family about us. Three, use our referral links at exploreficanada.ca forward slash recommendations. All of our show notes can be found at exploreficanada.ca. You can also find us at our own blogs, figarage.ca or eatsleepbreathefi.com. Today's episode was edited and mixed by Max Desmarais with episode transcripts provided by otter.ai.